welcome to Side Alpha Leadership, a podcast where leaders can share their experiences and discuss what leadership means to them. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Hello, and welcome to this month's edition of Side Alpha Leadership. I'm your host, David Polikoff. Thanks for joining. Uh, Today, I'm fortunate enough to have um, Dr. and Battalion Chief David Griffin on the phone with me. So without me rambling on as I normally do, Dave, uh, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell a little bit about yourself and and where you are and what we're going to talk about today. Yes, sir. Well, thanks for having me. My name is David Griffin. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I'm a battalion chief and shift commander in Charleston, South Carolina. Been with the department for almost 17 years. Uh, Glad to be with a department where I've come through the ranks from a backseat firefighter and made my way to the shift commander position. And I'll talk a lot about that as in earning the credibility and the leadership aspect of that in the fire service as well. In my career, I was the first due engineer on June 18, 2007, where we lost nine of our firefighters, and that has really changed my thought process about proper operations, but also about proper leadership and the way that we speak with each other and the way we motivate each other, and really the way that the changing dynamic of the fire service and really emergency services as a whole in the leadership realm because of, of the new generation we have in our profession, I think it's a good thing. From there, I'm going to talk a lot about the Citadel, which is the military college where I went to school. Being at the Citadel, I learned a lot about leadership and specifically the principal leadership characteristics. Uh, Leaders is the acronym that they use and their specific meaning for each letter in the word leader. And I'll talk about that a lot today because I, I really think this is an important aspect of emergency responders and the way that we lead each other today. It's a very different environment. We have to understand that just because we have a white shirt on doesn't mean that we're all knowing and that everyone's idea is not as good as ours or we're the smartest person in the room because we're not. We're the most responsible person in the room. So with that being said, um, I'm going to turn it back over to you to make sure I've covered everything in the beginning and then we'll jump back into the principal leadership characteristics. Um, I'm I'm really excited to talk about this and to to let our, our listeners know I did have the opportunity to sit in on your lecture even though it was virtual um, about the principal leadership a couple of months ago and and uh, it just struck me as you know what I really got to get this guy on the podcast this his message has to go out there now before we go into that I want to ask you a couple of of personal questions um, you and I have a common link that we talked about uh, whereas Chief Carr uh, Chief Tom Carr was my fire chief in Montgomery County uh, for several years um, he's I've known Chief Carr. A long, long time. Uh, he promoted me to uh, captain. Um, I got the personal phone call from him, so it was one of the best days of, of my career as I made, made my way through the ranks. But just being you know, in, in the management role and being able to hear Chief Carr talk more on a, a management level and to find out how brilliant this guy actually was. He, not only did he have a way with people, um, he had a way with getting you, getting what he needed from you in a respectable and responsible way. And, and then uh, he retired from Montgomery County and uh, 
he uh, moseyed his way on down to Charleston, South Carolina, where uh, I think one of the first things that one of your guys said to him when he was uh, being introduced is they looked at him and they said, boy, you need a haircut. That was the, one of the first things that uh, one of your guys, one of your firefighters said to, uh, to Chief Carr. So if you want to talk a little bit about, about Tom Carr, that'd be great, and then we'll move right into, your, uh, into to the show. Tom Carr, he walks on water in Charleston. He's a, an amazing leader. He, he was actually born in Charleston, South Carolina. A lot of people don't know that, but he was born in Charleston. He did move up to Montgomery County, and he was the fire chief there and did a lot of great things for you guys. And then after our event of June 18, 2007, he was the first fire chief hired after that event. And the changes that he made for us were just incredible because there were so many things that we had to improve upon. And it wasn't because we were bad people or we had a bad department. It was just a new thought process that he brought in. And we really bought into that. And to see the way that he led people is something that I wish I could have seen more of because unfortunately he died a few years later after he was our fire chief. And I, I don't know if I'll ever have a leader that I look up to more than Tom Carr because he just, the way he treated people was unbelievable. And it was really people before paper. And I always appreciated that because he wanted to talk to you about how you're doing, how are you making progress before he thought about the paperwork side of the job. And uh, today in our profession, we're very analytical to what we do. There's a lot of documentation. There's a lot of information we have to have for accreditation and for ISO. And all of that is very, very important. But he was so focused on the people that all of that information kind of took care of itself. And that's one thing I've tried to remember uh, learning from Tom Carr, because when he came into our organization, I was an engineer. I was trying to learn being a good engineer, not so much being a leader at that point, but there were things that I saw him do that I carry along with me every day in my current position, and I'm very blessed to have known him. Yeah, he was the kind of guy that uh, we used to say that uh, when you're on Tuesday, Tommy's already on Friday. Um, he had Absolutely. that foresight of what was going on. And, and the, the thing was is he could just walk into your firehouse, sit down, have a cup of coffee, and just have a kitchen table talk. And you would forget that you're talking to the boss. You're just talking to another fireman. And, and Tommy made it up through the ranks uh, as well You know, in, in, in our county when it was in this big transition of going from corporations to, uh, to a county program. So I'm blessed that I, I've known him. I know you guys in Charleston were, were blessed to, to be able to know him and the things that he bought. Uh, it came at a time where you really needed to to turn the ship around a little bit, and uh, I know he did good things there. I've never heard anything negative about uh, Tommy when he at his time in, in Charleston. So that's our little connection there. So with that being said, let's go ahead and, and move into your principal leadership. Well, principal leadership is a different type of leadership, if you will. It's based on the principles that you should have as a leader, and obviously, autocratic and authoritarian leadership are dynamics that we've used for a while, not just in emergency services, but really in all types of organizations. But we're seeing now that we're decentralizing leadership to where it's not so much from the from the top down, it's from the bottom up. And I think there's a lot of benefits or there are a lot of benefits to that. And I've really learned that uh, coming through the ranks from firefighter to backup driver, to engineer, to acting captain, to captain, to acting BC, to BC, and now shift commander. And I've realized that as you move through those ranks, 
you don't need to change who you are. You need to continue the principles that you believe in every single day and you continue to be you. And I relate that to Chief Tom Carr because that's who he was. You were right. We could sit down with him and, and talk with him at the kitchen table just like he was another firefighter because he was another firefighter. He, he understood the job and he, he led that way. And that's why the connection was there. He was very humble. He was very true to who he was. He believed in who he was. He wasn't trying to be someone else. And really, this is what principal leadership is based on. It's based on a lot of different things that makes you who you are. And once, when you were able to be you as a leader, it really shines through as very authentic. And that's what you want to be, very authentic. So the acronym is LEADERS. The L stands for Lead with Humility. The E stands for Embrace a True Authentic Self. A stands for Act and Speak with Courage. D stands for develop and value people and resources. E stands for empower and hold others accountable. R stands for respect others by building trust and learning from mistakes. And S stands for serve others before self. Now, this acronym was not created by me. This is what the Citadel uses when they're training their cadets in the fourth class system as knobs, where they move up to sophomores and then they move up to juniors and obviously graduate as seniors. And in that four year progress, they go from being basically broken down into a foundation to be built back up into a sophomore, into a corporal, into learning some basic leadership. And then when they're a junior, they may turn into a first sergeant or a supply sergeant or a sergeant of a company. And then as seniors, they run the Corps of Cadets. You have a regimental commander who's in charge of the entire Corps of Cadets, which you can see as a fire chief, basically, in that leadership role. You have battalion commanders, which are similar to battalion chiefs. And, and that's the reason why this does have a lot of parallels to what we do in the fire service. So we're going to go through each one of those letters and we're going to discuss them individually because I think each piece is something that you have to think about in being a leader. So the first letter L is lead with humility. First, what is humility? Humility is the first step towards greatness. In admitting that we do not know everything, we open ourselves to learning. We admit that we can fail but we're open to other pathways to success from other people. When you admit that you're flawed and you show that humble practice every single, every single day, we open ourselves up to accepting others and we're more understanding of others. And that's important because when you're put into a leadership position, everyone looks at you like you have all the answers and you don't have all the answers. I know I don't have all the answers. I had an example last night to where we had an elevator call and the normal units that respond to that specific building had just cleared up from a structure fire. So the other closest units were coming from another area of the city. So they just aren't as familiar with that building. So as I'm sitting in the vehicle as the incident commander, I send a text message to the captain of the ladder that knows that building. And I asked him for some information. He shot me some pictures of the diagram in the elevator. We passed it on and everything worked out well. I know I don't know the elevator system. Why? Because I'm not the captain on the ladder that responds to that building. I am the shift commander responsible for helping those guys be successful. And I think when you understand that as a leader, it makes your team a lot stronger too. I don't act like I know that. I know I don't know that. And that's important because he is the expert in that specific area. And I try to utilize that every single day when we have some types of calls, whether it's auto extrication or a structure fire, or it's an elevator rescue or some type of EMS call or an active shooter event or something like that, because we have knowledgeable people 
in our organization that are focused on those different pieces. When you're humble and you do show that humility every single day, you get more buy-in from your people. The question is, how do you lead with humility? And that's being authentic to who you are. It's not an act. Don't show humility because you think you should. Show it because it's, it's true. Be that type of person. We can all think of leaders that don't have humility. We don't want to be like them at all. And, and that's unfortunate because this is an easy part of being a leader. That's an easy win every single day. Treat people as you would want to be treated, and they will treat you in the same manner. And it's very, it's very critical. It's important to be humble and, and to show that humility because you will be more approachable with the people that you're responsible for. Notice I didn't say the people that I'm in charge of or the people that I tell what to do. You will never hear me say that. These are the people I'm responsible for them. I'm responsible for their safety on shift, for the scheduling to make their day much more uh, operating with ease. I'm responsible to make sure they can train when they want to train. They can get the equipment that they want. That's the difference from principled leadership than autocratic leadership, telling people what to do. Once you build that dynamic, you don't have to tell people what to do. You're a team environment and you work through it together. And that's basically built with showing that humility every single day. I think that, uh, you know, one of the things that we've talked about on this show a lot uh, as we talk about humility, um, we talk about ego, um, and they kind of go hand in hand. Um, One of the things that I like to tell people is, yes, I'm your battalion chief, but I work for you. Uh, my job is to make sure that you have, like you said, everything you need to do your job correctly. I'm also here as your um, as as your leader that will be there to go to bat for you if something if you need something or something happens or you're doing the right thing and you're not being you're being accused of not doing the right thing. I'm there to stand up for you. And if you make mistakes, I'm there to, to privately pull you aside and say, "Here's what we did wrong. We're going to use this as a learning opportunity." So that plays a long way as opposed to going in pumping your chest and saying, you know, I've got the gold collar pins and I'm in charge. I'm your boss type of deal. Um, I think we're slowly moving away from that. And, and having that humility, like you talked about, is is important. Uh, putting that ego in check, that's important. A lot of people are afraid to admit they don't know something. And uh, I'll be the first to admit, it's like, hey, I'm, I'm not quite sure about that, but let me go make a phone call and find out who may be sure about that. Because one thing firemen know is when you lie, they know you're lying when you're making stuff oh, yeah. up. And you will lose so much leadership credibility when you lie about something. I, I find people that tell me, you know what, I don't know. Uh, I, I, can you tell me about this? Or I should know this, but I don't. I find that I respect that person a lot more knowing that they admit that here, here's a fault. Um, I need I need help fixing it, um, and we make it yeah. as a learning experience. So that humility and putting that ego in check is so important. So that's a, that's a great lesson that people need to take away from this. And, of course, you're going to have guys with an ego, and that's part of just life in general. People, everybody has some type of, uh, of ego, if you will, but it's balancing that ego to realize that that's what makes them who they are. That's what makes a rescue captain, a rescue captain, a ladder captain, a ladder captain, because they have that confidence in them, but you want to make sure it's the confidence and not the cockiness. And that's what humility allows you to do. We want you to be confident in your skill set because you've put the time in, you've earned the right to train hard and to understand why you do what you do, but you don't, you can't think that you're so good that you're cocky and then you turn into a dangerous firefighter. And as long as we keep humility in mind, 
it doesn't let our guys do that. And it's important because our guys, they embrace that. They're humble. They ask questions. They work well together. And it's really neat to be a part of a team like that. Yeah, when you're, and, when you know, you're, when you're over cocky, people are looking for you to fall as opposed to absolutely. looking for you to lead. So that, that uh, you know, being competent and confident, that is a huge attribute for a leader. So, yes, be that, but, but again, not cocky like you said. Absolutely. And, and really that goes into our next letter, which is E, embrace a true authentic self. Be authentic. Be, you hard, be who you are. But that doesn't mean be overconfident and be cocky. Stay true to your ideals. The, the beauty of our emergency services is that we're all different. We have different backgrounds, different cultures, different ethnicities, different genders. And that's great because that's what allows us to operate together with different ideas and different thought processes. That is the important part of inclusion in our profession. And when you understand that and you're true to who you are and you don't try to be someone else, I'm not Tom Carr. I know that I'm, I'm not, I don't try to be Tom Carr. I am David Griffin and I'm trying to be the best version of me for the people that I'm responsible for. And, and that's a continual learning process. And so I have to remember to be authentic to who I am. And when you do that, you're going to put yourself out there. Sometimes I'm a big person of, of over communicating. I'm a big person of telling people I appreciate them and thank you. And I don't expect anything in return. The teams that I'm avail uh, that I'm uh, allowed to be a part of on our shift, I always tell them thank you. I appreciate what you do, and I don't expect any response. If they don't text message me back or say thank you or anything, I don't. It doesn't hurt my feelings. It doesn't. I don't do it for that. The point is, that's me. I, I'm authentic with that. I want them to know how much I care about them because I actually do. The seven captains that are in the battalion I'm responsible for, I, I actually care about them. It's not that I go to work and they're my responsibility. It's on my two days off, I'm thinking of ways to try to make their shift better the next shift. And sometimes it does consume me, but that is who I am. I'm authentic with that. And I hope that shines through in my leadership style. And then when you tie that into the BCs that I work with, our BC team is very close every day, whether it's on shift or off shift, we're, we're talking on the phone, we're text messaging, we're cracking jokes with each other. And that is authentic to me and authentic to them because they like that team environment, which allows them to relax and we can get things done so much easier because we're not working against each other. We're working for each other, for our shift to make our guys better every single day. And I try to articulate that to them as well as the captains that there is only one you. Own it. Own who you are. I know who I am. I know that I'm very, very high strung. I know that I'm very, very uh, full throttle all the time. If you give me a task to do, it's, it's 100%, and that's the only way that I know how to do it. But not everyone's like that, and that's okay. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It means they're different, and that's what makes your team strong because you have different types of leaders and different types of personalities. The one big thing is you can't let others influence your principles with negativity. Some people are very positive. I'm a very positive person. I try to exude that in everything that I do in my conversations and my leadership style. And there are other people that aren't as positive. They will try to bring down your positivity because they just don't have that. But you can't let someone steal your happiness or steal your positivity or really just steal the love for this job. And that's, again, going back to embracing a true authentic self. When you're super positive and you're trying to improve each piece every single day, there are people that will look at that and they will be intimidated by that. And they will look down on you for that because they, they don't operate that way. 
And I always think about it as in, I don't look down on them because they don't think the way that I think. I just know that we're different and that's okay. That's the beauty of leadership because there's different people doing different things. But the number one message here is be you. There's only one you. There's no one youer than you and, and be you. And that's critical to what you have to be as a leader. I've, I've told people uh, when I when they have their promotional exams coming up, I usually do like a Zoom session. Well, it used to be in person, but uh, the last uh, couple of ones I've done was Zoom. And the first thing I tell them, you know, when you are going to uh, for this assessment center, I said the number one thing you have to do is be yourself because that's the only thing you know how to be. I said unless you're a trained professional actor, you only know how to be you, and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for for who right. you are and and uh, the the more you act like yourself the easier it is for you to move through an assessment center um one of the things that you said i, I jotted down real quick where you, you talk about the please and thank yous and things like that um i started getting into that probably about three or four years ago uh when i run my command if i'm on a scene of, of a uh, of an incident and i'm pleasing thank yous to our dispatchers um because they're doing me favors they're giving me the information and uh just recently i had a fire um in a house and after it was all said and done there was like a little group me chat going on and somebody had made mention and said that was the most polite fire ground i've ever heard run uh ever and i kind of took that to heart as and well you know what then maybe maybe you know people are listening but i'm making a difference um you don't have to be an ass on the radio you don't have to be an ass to your people it's okay to say please and thank you once people recognize that you're a genuinely nice guy and you care about them and you care about the job, they're going to give you 100% when it comes to doing a job, and it's going to be done correct. And people are, people are going to start noticing that your shift is run tight and people can get the job done and they're people that can be counted on when the chips are down. So that's huge. So thanks for that. The please and thank yous, they go so far, and it has to be a habit that you do every day when you write emails. You can write two separate emails and get two different responses. You can write, Captains, I need you to do this today. Or you can say, Captains, I need your help. Can you please do this today so we can uh, finish this for our shift initiative? Two different messages. The latter email is going to get a lot better of a response. I don't need to tell people what to do. You don't need, we're working with adults. Is, are there times to where you have to be the leader? Absolutely. I'm not saying that. But if you build that please and that thank you into your everyday habit, the officers are going to buy into that as well. And they're going to do what they're asked to do because they know that's their responsibility and they know that it's important to do that. It's so simple to say please and say thank you. It's so simple. It makes you look better as a leader. It makes you feel better as a leader. And at the end of the day, it makes you more professional too because nobody wants to be talked down to. I don't want my assistant chief of operations talking down to me. He doesn't do that either. And that's the thing. He always, he's very respectful. He's a guy that came through the ranks and he's very easy to talk to. I can text messages, call him on the phone. And we just talk like firefighters. We don't have that super professional dialogue going all the time. You know, we're, we're talking, hey, hit me up sometime if you need some help. And I, I think that's important because that's who we are. That's who we were as firefighters. That's who we were when he was a captain and I drove for him. And, and these are things that we have to continue as we go through the ranks because we are the leaders and it's who we are. And that makes it easier when you move to those positions because people know you're not going to change. You're going to be yourself. I think that, uh, and again, like, like you said, with adding this 
um, these nuances into our leadership and into how we deal with people. I think we're going to slowly change the culture of what the fire service was to what it should be. Um, like you said, we're dealing with adults. And like I told you earlier, these are some of the smartest people that are coming through the ranks now um, with the amount of technology and information that they have. So we need to recognize that and understand that we don't talk down to people anymore. We talk, they're our peers. I, I have no problem with a firefighter come knocking on my door and asking a question. He doesn't have to go to the captain in order to get permission to talk to me. Um, on the right. fire ground, we know how it's set up. We set up our groups in our divisions and that's who we're talking to. But when it comes Absolutely. to everyday life, yeah, I have no problem with the firefighter saying, hey, can I ask you a question and pick my brain about something? I'm glad that they feel comfortable doing that. So, again, fantastic mm-hmm. information. And it makes us better as leaders, too, because we have to realize that we can't remember everything. We, we can remember so much. And then there are other pieces that are just not in our memory bank. We have to look up SOPs. We have to look up policies and procedures that aren't utilized a lot. Now, operational pieces, no, because we use that all the time. But there's some administrative things that we don't use all the time. And there's so many memos that come out that sometimes are contradictory to a policy. And that's just being a part of an organization. Sometimes we have to put our ego to the side and say, listen, I'm going to find out what's going on here and make sure we get to the bottom of it. And that's really leads us into our next letter, which is A, act and speak with courage. We, we have to act with courage and speak with courage, but that doesn't mean be aggressive. That means be assertive if you have to be assertive. You, you have to lead with a code. Your firefighters know if you have a code. They know if you come to work just because you're coming to work for your 24 and that's all you're thinking about. You're not engaged with them. You're not engaged off duty. They know that and they can see through it. And that's really not what firefighters want. Firefighters want you to be engaged because if you're engaged, they're going to be engaged with why you do what you do. To act and speak with courage, though, you do have to have the bravery to do that. And I try to articulate that to our team is that I I want you to be direct in your conversations. I don't want you to have a kitchen table discussion about something we're doing as a shift or a team And then if I come in there, another BC comes in there, you don't give us that information because we don't have an opportunity to fix it. You're not going to hurt my feelings. You're not going to hurt our feelings because, again, you said it earlier, we work for you. Our job is to serve you and to make you better. And if you don't give us the information of what we're not doing right, we don't know. We're just going to keep marching forward like we're doing it the right way when all you have to do is give us a little feedback and we're going to fix that. And that leads to tough conversations. And as a leader, you have to be willing to have these tough conversations. You can't evade these conversations. You can't pawn them off on someone else. If it's your responsibility to have the conversation, you have to be the leader in the position and own it and go have the conversation. I've seen people in other organizations that have pawned off having tough conversations on someone else because they could do that. And that is just weak, cowardly leadership to me. If I have to go talk to one of our team members about something that's gone on, that is my responsibility. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to be a shift commander to make it better. I'm not going to pawn that off on somebody else. I'm going to go and I'm going to have the conversation, but it's going to be a professional conversation. These are adults. You don't have to yell at them. You don't have to demean them. You don't have to talk down to them. Have the conversation, and most of the time, they're going to understand where you're coming from. Now, sometimes they're not, and you're going to have to be the leader and let them know that, and that's unfortunate, but it's very few and far between that you have to do that. But you have to keep your composure, and that's something that I think firefighters, we struggle with because we are type A personalities. We do get very defensive very, very easily, 
And we have to remember when you get defensive, you're missing the point. It's not who's right. It's what's right. And that's essential. It doesn't matter to me if a firefighter asks me a question and at the end of the day, he's right. And I'm just wrong. I'm flat out wrong. That does not hurt my feelings. We had an issue the other day with an overtime shift and we were under the impression that we could do a certain practice. And this individual found a memo from a couple of years ago that stated the total opposite. And guess what? He was right. We were wrong. And we basically called him and told him 100%. You're right. We're wrong. doesn't hurt my feelings. I am human. We are going to make mistakes. We do that because I want them to know when they make a mistake, we're not going to come down on them as hard as they think because we're just like them. We're human beings. We're imperfect people. So when you build that camaraderie as a team, it allows you to keep that composure and to have those intense conversations without the intensity to where it turns unprofessional. Sometimes it's hard to say something that needs to be said. It, it, it very much is, but you have to own it. Because if you don't say it, others don't know. Now, the problem is people do say it, but they say it behind each other's backs or at the kitchen table when the leader's not in there. And that's very unfortunate because we call each other brothers, we call each other sisters, but we walk out of the station and sometimes we're the first to jump on that brother or sister. And that's part of the culture. But I would hope that we would also bring that to that firefighter's attention or that that battalion chiefs or captain's attention and say, listen, this is what we're seeing. Let's work through this and make it better. And that's a part of acting and speaking with courage and keeping that composure on a daily basis. I it's think, difficult. It I think it's important for people to understand. You've said it a couple of times, you know, that, that uh, you know, different is, doesn't mean that, that you're wrong. Um, I had a captain that, that told me that a long, long time ago when I was his lieutenant. And, and he said, you know, different is not wrong. It's just different. Um and and you, one of the things you said, I almost laughed out loud uh, when you talked about you know there's so many there's so much stuff that we're responsible to remember. There's no way as we move through the ranks that we can remember all the stuff that doesn't affect us on a day to day basis, where it may affect a firefighter on a day to day basis. And uh, there are times where I was, I have to go back and look through the policies and I can't find it. I I usually just pull either the captain, lieutenant, or even a firefighter aside and say, hey, didn't we have a memo or a policy that said this? What was that all about? And usually they know. So it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to be wrong. We use it as a learning, uh, a learning tool. And, and uh, I'm wrong all the time. You just ask my wife, she'll tell you. Um, but uh, I think that it's important, like you said, to be able to speak with courage, be able to tell people that I've got some shortcomings and that uh, I'm working on, on making them better or I don't know everything and if I don't, I'm going to go find out or I may have to ask somebody who may not be the same rank as me, maybe a lesser rank that has the answer. So I think that that's, uh, again, some fantastic information. And I think we all have to remember too, each firefighter, driver, captain, battalion chief, shift commander, deputy chief, assistant chief, fire chief, we all have our knowledge of specific piece of information and organization. A firefighter is going to know pieces of policies that affect that person specifically. A driver is going to know pieces of policies that affect them positively or negatively specifically. So when you have an incident, an administrative incident, they probably have the email saved or the policy saved and a shortcut on their desktop and they're going to send it right to you because they've been waiting on this to happen to them and they have it right there. That's something we have to remember because for us, we can't remember all of that stuff. And that's where the team environment comes into play. And you build that by allowing them to act and speak with courage. Now, 
if they come at you hard and unprofessional, it's a different conversation because again, we're all adults. I'm going to talk to you professional. I expect you to do the same to us. And that way we can work through it like adults, get it fixed and move on about our day. And that's part of developing our people, which obviously is the next letter is D is develop and value people and their resources. We're developing our individuals every single day when we teach them to act with courage and to lead with humility. These are things that allows them to grow through the ranks and to grow into these positions. So when they get into those positions, they've been mentored. We need to value our people on the team. What is their position? What do they bring to the team? Because everybody brings something differently. On our BC team, it's myself and three other BCs. And we all bring different items to the table, and it's great. We all we work very well together. It's it's one of the best teams I've ever been a part of. We we just we just click, and it's cool to see that. But it's because we value each other and our differences, and we value each other for what we focus on and <clears throat> how we help each other out. Because it's all a teamwork atmosphere. We don't blame each other if something goes wrong. It's all on all four of us. We try to mentor our people too. It's one thing that I've noticed in my 17 years in the fire service is that we don't do a good job of mentoring people. We, we, we never have done that. I have been trying to do that on our shift with, with specific individuals that I would like to see as acting battalion chiefs and battalion chiefs. So, so someday when I retire, they take my position and they're, they're ready to go because we took some time to mentor them. It takes effort to mentor someone. It takes time out of your day to do that. But when you leave, if you didn't mentor somebody, you set up the organization for failure. Why? Because now you're basically saying, okay, just figure it out like I did. Why would we want to do that? That's why we have an officer development program. That's why before you can act as a battalion chief, you have 10 shifts as a mentoring battalion chief with an actual battalion chief to learn the job of being a BC. Or you have a mentoring captain for 10 shifts to where you ride the rig as a mentor and the real captain's on the rig helping you. There's so much value in that because when you go to act as a captain the first time, you're ready. When you go to act as a battalion chief, you're ready with the basic skills. You're not 100% perfect. You're not all developed, but you have the skill set to be in that position when you are allowed to act in that position. And I think that's very important. We want to evolve our resources with relationships too. I said it earlier, it's people before paper. And that's something you have to remember. I got a question for you. Do you know everybody's first name in your organization? Some organizations that's hard with, I understand that because you have 12,000 people. But if you're in an organization or you're on a shift where you are responsible for a crew or a battalion or the shift, do you know people's first names? Can you walk in the station and say, hey, good morning, so-and-so, good morning, morning, so-and-so. When you do that and you call them by their first name, their eyes light up. Because they're thinking, wow, you, this guy actually does know who I am. And that's important. And I'm huge on that. I learned that from one of our previous fire chiefs before June 18th, 2007. He'd always walk in and he, he would say say your rank and then your first name. So if it, your name was David, it'd be, Captain David, how you doing? And that always just made you feel good because he, 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 he recognized you. He, he believed in you and he, and he knew you. You weren't a number to him. You weren't a name tag to him. You were Captain David or, or Chief David or Chief JJ or something like that. And our culture is a little bit different with that. We, we call each other by the rank and the first name, something that's been in Charleston for a, a very long time, a lot longer than I've been there. And that's how we really we value our people by having that personal connection. 
the developmental part of our profession is really what we have to focus on. We're seeing a lot of movement in the fire service today. We'll have firefighters come in for six months to a year and they go to another organization. And then we have other firefighters that come in for a couple of weeks to six months and then they go to another organization. Or then they do four or five years and go to another organization. Then they want to come back to our organization. Are we developing them enough to where they want to stay in our organization? And that's something that's really affecting the emergency services today because that's why we are having a huge turnover rate. But it's not just at the firefighter level. It's at the leadership level as well. There's a lot of leaders in the fire service that are going from fire department to fire department just to get another bugle on their collar or to be a battalion chief or an assistant chief or to be a fire chief. The days of developing people from scrubbing the toilet their first day and then one day that person maybe being the fire chief in the same organization, you don't see that anymore. And um, it's unfortunate that you don't because there's a lot of positives to that. Are there positives of other people coming into an organization and making change from their knowledge base? Absolutely. There's a time and a place for all of that. But there's also a time and a place to mentor the people in an organization and allow them the opportunity like they did Tom Carr in Montgomery County. Think all of the stuff that he developed over those years he was there. And when he was the fire chief, people loved him, right? Yeah, absolutely. They loved him. Absolutely. They loved him because he built his whole career, his credibility. He built all of that there. And it's something that I've seen a couple of fire chiefs do in other organizations. Actually, our current fire chief, he's from Durham, North Carolina, and he did that in his organization. He started from the bottom and worked his way through all the ranks and was the fire chief. That that is huge to me because it shows commitment. And I, I go back to my father. My dad went to a radio station and was the first employee hired at that radio station. And he was there for 44 years. And 44 years later, when he retired, he was the only original person there. 44 years, he stayed the course and stayed with that radio station. But he also had numerous chances to go to other radio stations in the local area and nationwide to do bigger and better things. But guess what he didn't do? He never left. And I think there's a lot of value to that. And I've learned that from seeing some fire chiefs around the country. Um, And it's not just a fire chief position. It's other positions too, division chiefs or battalion chiefs or captains. You see some captains and lieutenants that do their entire career and they retire in those positions and their credibility is there. But they've also developed people underneath them to take their position when they leave. And that's why they're so beloved. That uh, yeah, we I had had a conversation with Anthony Castro. So this whole thing that we did on this show was all about succession planning, and and I took that to heart. And and I've I've tried to you know, you talked about mentoring people in the beginning, and it's it's you know I had asked some people you know what what is mentoring? How do you mentor somebody? Do you just look at somebody and say I like that guy? I think he's pretty good. I'm going to try and make him a chief. Um, and, and a lot of things, a lot of times the answer I hear, it's, it's organic. You just kind of know, it just kind of fits. Um, I, right. you know, I'm at the end of my, uh, coming up to the end of my career, I'll be going on about three years. Um, you know, I started off 18 years old in this organization and there's a lot of pride in, in, in our organization and I never wanted to go anywhere else. And, uh, I'm going to retire, you know, in the position that I'm in and I'm not looking for another chief's job somewhere else. I, I'm very satisfied with what I've done, but I want to make sure that who Whoever's coming behind me is is ready to take over and, and do the job better than me. And and we go back to that whole ego thing. It is um, 
you know, you're afraid to make somebody better than you because then you think that that makes you look bad. I think just the opposite. If somebody takes your spot and they're better than you and they say, yeah, uh, Chief Polikoff trained me, that that's a, a reflection on me that, that uh, you know, I, I mentored this person and they went beyond where I am. So I think that uh, being, being a mentor uh, – planning for your exit and making sure that the people coming behind you are just as good or, or better uh, is, is important. Absolutely. And we want our people to be better than us. I have been to organizations where I've taught and worked with some uh, leadership issues that they've been going through. And I've had conversations with some leaders and some of the things they've said is just really, it's really interesting to me, you know, because they'll mentor people, but they wanted to be good but don't be better than them. Right. And I, that concept doesn't make sense to me. There's guys in our organization, when I retire one day, that will be in the shift commander position on our shift, and I want them to be way better than me. That, that is the true gift of giving back and paying it forward and trying to allow your organization to be better. But I've been in places like that to where ah, we want them to be good, but we don't want them to be better than me because then they're a challenge to me or they're competition to me. I don't look at anyone in my organization as competition, zero. It doesn't matter if we're up for the same promotion. We just had a promotional process last year uh, for a position, and the individual that got the position was the right person for that position. He had more experience. He has a way with operations. He has a way with organizing events, and he's very, very good at that. And I never saw myself in competition with him. It was for the position and he's the right fit. And that's how we have to look at it. But you'll see people when they go for promotions and they don't get a position that it's all everybody else's fault. And it's not, it's, it's just because maybe it wasn't your time or you just weren't the right fit and, and, and that's okay. But you still have to continue to develop yourself and develop others. So when they get that chance to promote, or even if they don't want to promote, they want to improve upon the skill set that they have, that you have empowered them to do that. And that's so critical because when you start to show how much you care about their developmental process, it really shines through uh, being authentic again, as we talked about. Yeah. And, and again, it, it, it goes back to it's okay that you didn't get that promotion. Yeah, you're going to be a little bummed about it. But, but again, be brave enough to, to ask the chief. Hey, what can I do to make myself uh, uh, better in line for the next promotion? What do you see that I can change? And and don't and, and don't take it to heart. Take the information and and to try to make yourself better if that's truly what you want to do. I, I want the person that that takes my job to not only you know fulfill that particular position, but to take it beyond what it is. Um, that's the only way we're gonna to make make the fire service move forward and, and make it better is by promoting people that have big ideas that want to make the fire service better. Um, so the succession planning is important. And from there, that brings us really to our next point, which is the next letter is E, is empower and hold others accountable. As you're building that uh, mentoring your, your, your people in your organization, you're trying to empower them to ask questions and empower them to be those leaders, and then empower them to understand how to hold others accountable. You have to have empowerment. You have to have accountability. And accountability doesn't mean that you have to write people up or be a jerk or, or disrespect them. When you start with empowerment, it, it allows your team to evolve and allows them to function at a much higher level because it, it's their, it's their shift. They take ownership of that. 
I'll give you an example of this. If we have something we have to do, have to do as a battalion, and I would like our battalion, our, our captains and the battalion I'm responsible for, if I would like them to do this, I'm not going to text them and say, Captains, I need you here at so-and-so time. I'm going to say, Captains, I need your help with something. Can we do this at so-and-so time for this reason? I would really appreciate your help so we can get this accomplished. They're, those guys are going to jump in because they take pride in what they do. They're, pr they're proud of being in their company, in the battalion that we're in and on our shift. And they're going to take that and it empowers them to make the decision. I don't want to have to tell them to do things. I want them to want to do that because it's our team environment and they do. And I'm very lucky uh, to have those types of officers. Accountability is the other part of that. It's essential. You have to have it, but it's got to be done correctly and respectfully. If you have to bring someone in and have a discussion with them, or even if you do have to give them some type of written reprimand, which I'm a fan of, of discussing and counseling, I think that goes a lot longer um, with people, and it also is a lot better in the developmental process. Are there times where something is done that's so severe that paperwork has to be done? Yes, I understand that. But my first thought is let's counsel, let's see what's going on. Let's get a true understanding of why this individual did this. Maybe they didn't know. Maybe they just made a mistake and we're all human and that's allowed to happen. But the accountability aspect has to be there because that's when you have to be the battalion chief. That's when you have to be the captain or the assistant chief or the deputy or the fire chief. And even when you have to be that position, you still have to be human still talk with them just like you would talk with them if you're sitting at the firehouse, but it's a little different level of seriousness. Why? Because now you're discussing something that involves discipline. And when you do that and you talk with them like adults, most of the time, not all the time, they're going to listen to what you have to say. They're going to be more respectful when they're trying to explain their case. Are they going to try to defend what they did? Absolutely they are. That's human behavior. We all do that. But if you come at them hard and you yell at them and you demean them and you chastise them, they're going to come right back at you hard. And now you're both being unprofessional. You're not acting like adults and you're not setting an example for them as a leader. And that's something that I've had to deal with in the last year being in the shift commander's position. We do have instances where there are discipline issues or there are counseling issues. And I've gone through those processes and I've tried to remember that every single time that People are human. They're going to make mistakes and treat them fairly and respectfully. And after everything is said and done and the dust settles from whatever the discipline was, they will still be okay with that because they understand that you're in a position where things have to be done. And that's critical. I think it comes down to, to the art of communication. You know, that's something that we, we lack sometimes of, of being able to, to ask the question why. And like you said, you know, somebody may be acting, uh, uh, out of the ordinary of how they normally are, you pull them aside. Um, what they, what, whatever behavior they exhibited isn't what they normally do, and it can't be tolerated. But there could be an underlying issue. And as as leaders in our organization, it's our responsibility to make sure that our people are healthy and that we ask the questions: What's going on? You know, and and when you've already built that credibility up as a caring leader, that you're there for them, they're going to be more in tune to open up to you. Um, and let you know if there's an issue going on at home. And, and then you can maybe steer them in the correct direction to get the help that they need. And what I found, not always, but in, in some instances, we can move past the discipline part. They understand that the behavior that they're exhibiting isn't right, but there's some underlying issues that's going on. So let's fix that. 
And then when we fix that, we I find that they're back on the path that they were on prior to. So communication is something that, that uh, it's hard to teach. Um, and like you said, we're type A personalities. We're go, go, go. But as we move forward in, in the ranks, we need to make sure that, that you know, we understand that people come from all walks of life um, and everybody's different and that we need to, you know, be able to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation if there is an issue to try to suss it out a little bit. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of times as a leader, when you notice people that are having some type of professional problem, it's always, not always, usually related to something going on in their personal life as well. So you have to be able to, to notice that and be able to work uh, with them on that. And, and that's essential. And that's really just respecting other people, which brings us to our next letter, which is R, respect others by building trust and learning from mistakes. And when you have that open line of communication and you respect each other and you have those open conversations and you really know your people, it allows you to have a better understanding of them. And, and that's so important because without trust, you, you are not a leader. If you don't have trust of your people, you are not a leader. You're a person in a position because they needed someone in that position at that moment. But the people that are supposed to be following you and helping you with the team environment, they don't trust you. If you don't have trust, you have nothing. And I've learned that in the last year of being a shift commander, essentially. And that's something I want our people on our shift to have trust in us. I want the captains to trust their, their, their team. I want the captains to trust us as BCs. And, and that's critical because when you have that trust component, the operational side of it will take care of itself because we have the trust in their skill set and why they're doing what they're doing. Once you lose the trust, it is difficult to earn it back. And you said a statement earlier about individuals when they lie to their teams. Can't comprehend this. Just tell your team you don't know or tell your team that you're trying to get an answer. Be honest with them because when you lose that trust, it could have taken you months to years to decades to build it, and you make one mistake and you're going to lose it. It's very, very hard to earn that trust back. But you also have to learn from your mistakes and be brave enough to call yourself out. That's one thing that I've learned essentially is everybody knows you made a mistake, they know it. So when you try to pawn it off or you don't even mention that you made a mistake, that is a very big moment for you that you missed. That, that's a huge chance for you to get out your authentic self, as I talked about earlier. I'll give you an example of this. I sent, we have to do end of shift reports to send to our command staff, and it's very essential. It allows them to know what happened on the shift. One day I clicked the wrong button. I send it out to the entire fire department, fire all. So everybody got it. Not a huge deal, but to me, it is a huge deal because I made a mistake. One of my BCs called me and said, Hey chief, I just want to let you know that you sent out the end of shift report to fire all instead of fire command staff. And I said, Oh man, I can't believe I did that. My apologies. And I made like a joke. I was like, what an idiot. Just, just made a joke, you know, because I made a mistake. So what did I do? I went back in there. I sent a fire all email. My apologies. I made a mistake of sending this out to the entire fire department instead of who it was supposed to go to. It's my mistake, 100% on me. It doesn't affect our battalion team, and I won't let it happen again. Why? Because that's how I feel. That is my true authentic self. Some people could have read that and said, well, he's just trying to be nice and, you know, be a, a butt kisser. And no, that's just me. I mean, I feel that bad about making that kind of mistake, so I feel like I should own up to that. But that's also because that's the way that I was taught as a young man. My dad was a Vietnam vet. He had a military background. He taught me to be honest and respectful and authentic. And when you make a mistake, own up to it. Because everyone knew that I made a mistake. 
it's the same way as if you're a driver and you turn the wrong way and you make a, a bad decision going to a call and you get lost. If you just own up to it and say, man, I, I made a wrong turn. Everybody can relate to that because we've all done it one or two times. Learn from others' mistakes and mentor them when one is made. It's, it's critical when you have someone that makes a mistake to mentor them through that mistake because it allows them to know that you're not looking down on them because they made a mistake. You're, you're helping them get through it because they feel bad about doing it. So try to work with them and be positive with them on that. It's funny. I'm going to tell you a little story because I'm going to tell you how you're in great company here. Um, we talked about Chief Carr earlier when he was the fire chief in Montgomery County. He sent out a memo which was supposed to go to just a few of the division chiefs. There's a total of four division chiefs about a specific um, chief that was upset about something um, so he was firing an email to those chiefs so they could be aware of it. This was on the horizon and it was kind of an unflattering email. It was like, you know, this chief's whining about this and blah, blah, blah. Well, he actually sent it to what is our FRS all. So it went to every single firefighter officer, all 1500 people. And, uh, at the moment I opened it up as a captain, I looked at that and I started laughing. I said, I don't think that was for us. And I think within 15 minutes, Chief Carr sent an email out saying the last email was just sent out wasn't for everybody to see. Obviously, the words that I used are uh, are not becoming of me as a chief officer, so I apologize for that, and I also apologize for sending an unnecessary email to your inbox. And that was it. And it was like it was funny um, that it happened, but he owned it up to it right away. Owned up that it wasn't flattering. Uh, language that that wasn't meant for everybody, but he knew he made a mistake. But he he admitted it right away, and it went away. Nobody talked about it for you know it was like a, on the talk topic for a day, and that was it. Right. So you're in good right. company. It's happened. It's has happened. Um, I thought it was kind of humorous, but I also thought it was pretty big of him to uh, admit that he made a mistake. Um, one of the other things that Ooh. I wanted to touch on that that you hit, um, you talked about uh, your reputation and and. I've told people before, I said, it could take you years to build up your reputation and you can lose it in 10 seconds. So if Absolutely. anything, people need to understand that when you have a reputation of being a good guy and being honest and authentic and, and you know, admitting your mistakes, the moment you cross that line uh, um, and you you make that uh, that that decision to be dishonest or, or or whatever, you lose that respect in seconds. And you may never get it back because that's all people are going to remember from you from that moment forward. Absolutely. You can do 10, 20, 30 years of good work and make one mistake or lose your composure or treat somebody unprofessional and all that is out the window. And we have to remember that respect goes a long way. To get respect, you have to give respect. And that's, I mean, that's been around for longer than we've been around. And I think that's critical because when you talk with people saying please and thank you and you're respectful to them and you understand them and you really have a belief in what they're telling you, the conversations are just mis are much easier. I, I'm, I'm not a judgmental person on, on things. When people call me and say they have something going on and they have to take the, tomorrow off, I don't, there's no judgment from me. I'm, my, my job is not to judge them. I, I'm not that person. My job is to help them fix whatever situation they're in and, and respect that situation and respect what's going on in their life and respect the, the issues or the troubles that they're having because 
we all have those and we don't know what people are going on, what people have going on in their personal life that's um, impacting their professional life. And it really just goes back to respecting other people and, and treating people how you want to be treated. That That's the golden rule, man. It's pretty easy. It really, really is. When you don't have good relationships with your people as a leader, and a lot of that goes back to just not respecting them and treating them as you would want to be treated. I don't want someone to cuss at me and to drop, you know, F-bombs on me in a meeting. So why would I do that to someone? It, it goes both ways and it's something that we just, we have to remember. And, and that's really serving others before self, which is our final letter, which is S. That's what we do. You said it earlier. Those guys on our shift, we work for them. Period. End of story. They don't work for us. They don't come to work to serve us as battalion chiefs. They don't come to work to serve me as the shift commander. I go to work to serve them to make sure their roster is done and efficient. If I have one of their firefighters move to the wrong station, my job is to fix that. And if I don't see it, all I do is ask them to call me and, hey, chief, one of my firefighters is detailed. Can you bring him back to our company? No problem, man. It's a click of a button. Sometimes they'll send me a text message. I got a meme I'll send to them. It's the picture of the easy button from Target. Why? Because at the click of a button, it takes me literally 15 seconds to sign into my roster account, move the people around and get it right. Because again, it's not who's right, it's what's right. And that's what's right. You're serving those guys. They want to have an efficient day. They want to have a productive day. And as a BC in our organization, that's our job. Our job is to make sure they have what they need, whether they want to go train or go do pump ops or go do a hazmat drill or a rescue drill, or you have guys that want to go up to uh, the training tower and cut on cars. It's our job to make sure that we can schedule that for them because all that's going to do is allow them to own their day. And we want that because when the companies can own their day, they're, they're a lot happier with what they do because they can train their people how they want to train them. It's the essence of what we do. We serve our community, but we serve each other in our organizations every single day. I have a question for you. Go ahead. Have you ever had a self-serving leader worried about their rank instead of people? I think that answer is is always going to be yes. And and what I've done is recognize that right away that that's not who I want to be, and I want to be the opposite of that. And and I tell people you can learn from good leaders. But you can also learn from bad leaders of how not to emulate that. So, yes, definitely. And I think everybody that listens to this would say definitely yes. Absolutely. And you can see right through that when people are more worried about their rank or their position um, than serving their people. And a lot of that goes with how you kind of talk on the phone. When someone calls me on the phone, I don't say Battalion Chief David Griffin. I say, this is David. How can I help you? Good afternoon. This is David. like, I don't need to tell people that. It's always comical to me. I don't need to tell you my position. I don't need to put that in my signature at the bottom of my email. Like, I don't, it's always been funny to me. And, you know, some people will disagree with that because they believe they've earned those positions and earned those ranks. And uh, I, I, it's the same thing I, I talk about my education. You asked me the question earlier, how do you want to be introduced? It makes no difference to me. Call me David. Call me Griff. I don't care. That makes absolutely no difference to me. It doesn't change the way I treat people. It doesn't change the way I'm going to lead. If I walk in a station and one of those guys looks at me and says, hey, Chief Griff, or hey, David, how you doing? I'm just, hey, how's it going? It doesn't affect me. I don't expect that. They're not going to do that. Why? Because I, they know that I'm not going to do that to them. I'm going to walk in a station and say, hey, Captain so-and-so, how are you doing today? How's everything going with your family? That's the respect that we've built. 
how do you exemplify service before self in your daily actions as a leader? That's a question I pose to a lot of people. And it's really how you handle yourself. It's your demeanor. It's how you talk with people. It's how you serve your companies. If someone calls you and they need a piece of equipment, is it easier for you to go get the equipment for them because you're driving a battalion vehicle that's just you than putting an apparatus on the street with four people that have to get on the rig and drive somewhere? It's easier for me to do that. So that's the thing you have to see. You have to remember in certain positions as leaders, it's your job to serve those guys on your shift, in your station, in your battalion, in your department, because when you do that, they're going to do the same for you. They're going to try to serve you. They're going to try to help you. When you have a job that needs to be done, something that's a job that they don't usually have to do or they don't really want to do, guess what they're going to do? They're going to jump right on it. Example of that the other day, we had a situation where some stuff had to be washed off of a sidewalk. It was some type of coating they were putting on. We have some very old sidewalks that are old, old stones that are basically what you walk on, so it's very jagged. So we had some workers that were trying to fix a piece of that, and they put some type of covering over it that it hardens very quickly, but they have to pressure wash it off of the sidewalk to get it out uh, off of the sidewalk, but not in the grooves of the actual stones. Well, their pressure washer broke, and it was like immediate. If they don't get this covering off, they're going to have to rip up that entire piece of historic sidewalk and do it again. So the deputy gave me a call and said, hey, I need something done really quick. Can you help me out? I'm like, yeah, what you got, chief? And he told me, so I called one of our best captains. I said, Cap, I need your help, man, but I need you to go do it like right this second. I know that's not great, but can you help me? He goes, yeah, what do you need, chief? I said, I need you to go down to so-and-so, rinse this off real quick, or it's going to ruin the sidewalk. He said, I got you covered. He hung the phone up. He texted me back about five minutes later. Chief, we're good to go. It's done. That's simple. That could have been a lot different of a conversation. I could have called a captain. Oh, come on, chief. We don't want to do that. We're, you know, it's, that's not what we do. I understand that, but I'm asking you, can you help me with this? Because if you ever ask me to do something, I'm going to bend over backwards. I'm going to do anything I have to do to make it right for you. And, and that's really remembering that we serve each other on our shifts and in our, in our companies. And I think for me as being a leader, that's what I try to remember every single day more than anything. Serve the people that you work with. Because when you do that, it really shines through in who you are. You're absolutely right. I think that, that people will see that. People will come to work. Not only do, are they happy to come to work because you got you know there's there's pride that's in the station, but they want to work for you and they want to they want to do the best they can do to make you look good because you're taking care of your guys and that's one of the themes that we hear you know when I've talked to a lot of these military guys you know that that have come through the ranks said first and foremost you got to take care of your guys. You have to take care of your guys because they're the ones that are going to be performing for you and they're going to be doing things that are dangerous and they're going to be doing them uh, – they're going to be, have to make decisions on the fly. And because you've put that trust into them and because that you are there for them to back them up when they need it, they're going to bust their ass to do the best that they can do to do the best job. It's, it's, it comes down to a pride thing and that's where pride is good. I mean you don't want to be too prideful but that's where pride really – kind of comes in where they want to work for you because they know you're working for them on a daily basis. Absolutely. Cause we work with each other. It's important without the people that you have in your department, you have nothing. If you are the leader and they're not following what you do because you serve them, you're, you're not a leader. You're a person in a position that 
I see that in so many organizations when I go and I teach leadership or I talk about mental health. And it's interesting. I, I can just tell the organizations to where the leaders of certain positions are so respected or others that they walk out of the room and the, the entire room is just rolling their eyes. And that's hard for me because I'm there to try to give some leadership advice. And I can see it in a five minute interaction between that leader and the people that they're supposed to serve that those people don't respect that person. And when they don't respect them, they're not going to be able to get anything done. It doesn't matter how smart that leader is, how much education, how much experience, it means absolutely nothing. If they don't have the credibility of serving those people, they're not going to get anything accomplished. And that's, that's been proven time and time again. Yeah, and that's hard. You know, when I, when I go out and teach for the private company that I work for on the side, it's hard to see that, you know, that the chief has hired you to come in to teach whatever class that we're teaching. And you, and after your introduction's done and the chief leaves and, and you can just see it on everybody's face that they don't like that guy. And it's an uncomfortable feeling. And you're here to, on their behalf to, to teach them something. But, uh, I think that it, like you said, it goes a long way to, to serve your people. Um, one of the questions that I've gotten asked and, and I'll ask if, if you feel the same way when I transitioned from captain, you know, being on a ladder truck to being promoted to battalion chief. Yes. It's a whole different job. I'm not, you know, gr- grabbing, you know, a set of tools and I'm not going in and doing searches and pulling ceilings. And I'm not doing that tactical stuff. I'm in the strategy stuff now. And a lot of people ask, Hey, do you miss it? And I said, yeah, I kind of miss it. I said, but my satisfaction is when I pull up in the car and I ask for a quick update and then I transition, I take command, I take command and, and start putting my groups and divisions together. There's very little communication on the radio because I'm looking through the windshield of my vehicle and I'm watching these guys work. And there's no, I get no bigger satisfaction than watching these guys doing the job and without hardly any communication because they know their job and we have a successful outcome. And at the end of the day, not only does it make me look good as their, as, as a leader, but our organization look good because these guys are just they they're on it, and that's the satisfaction I get when I, as a chief officer is just watching these guys work and and just just doing it. It's like watching an orchestra. It's pretty neat to see a you know a full response converge on a building or an auto extrication event, and to see guys just get off the rig and go do what they do. It's I mean it's beautiful and I I love it. You know, it just, it brings a smile to my face. Sometimes it brings like a tear to my eye because I see these guys and they're human beings trying to do the best they can do every single day. And man, when they get off that rig, they're just ready to go. And it, it, it I don't know, it just, it, it just makes me excited to be a part of something like that, to be able to, to see those guys and to, and to drive down the street behind them. And, you know, because when we respond, I, I run out of a double company house. So I got two engines there and it's myself and so those two guys roll out of the oldest working firehouse in the United States, right next to each other on the meeting street. And I'm coming around the corner and I'm right behind them. And man, it just, it just makes me smile because I know that the eight people on that rig in front of me, they're whatever we're going to, they're ready. They're ready. They're excited to be a part of it and they're going to do a good job. And then, you know, on top of that, we have 300 other engines responding. We got two other ladders coming, two other BCs. And it all converges about 40 people at one time, and it's just orchestrated. It's strategic. And, man, it's, it's something just to see. And I think when you start to appreciate things like that, 
it goes a long way with you being a leader because you kind of sit back and you let them do their thing because that's the position that they're in. And that's the most satisfying part of, of being on a team uh, that you're responsible for. Yeah, it's nice to see that, you know, you can be joking and grab ass in the firehouse when the tones drop, you get on the scene and it's all business. And uh, it makes me proud to work in the battalion that I work in. And and, and the, the the four other battalion chiefs that, uh, that work in the county on my particular shift, you know, I'm always messing with them. I was like, you know, one day, you know, you guys will be as good as the first battalion. I said, so you have something to strive for, you know. And I understand. And if you ever want to detail your guys down this way and my guys can help your guys out so they can be better, you know, you let me know. So it's that little in in battalion ribbing that, uh, you know, that camaraderie. And, and you know, it's all tongue-in-cheek, but uh, – just watching them go from from uh, goofing around to business, you know, at the snap of a finger, it's something I don't think the public will ever understand. Um, but it just it makes me proud to be part of that shift and part of that organization. Absolutely, and you have to keep it light because everything that we do on the operational side, it's very serious. So you have to be able to keep it light in the firehouse and and be able to make fun of yourself or those, let let those guys make fun of you. I know those guys make fun of me. Why? Because I ride around in our new BC vehicles with these cruise lights on. So, you know, the cruise lights that are lit up in certain spots on the rig and they're steady burn. Well, we, we had this nice light package put on these brand new Ford expeditions that two guys in our organization designed. And these two battalion chiefs designed them, got a great light package. And I went to a few organizations and I saw that their chief officers rode with the slow burns on. And I was like, man, that look, really looks good. It shows you're in service and you know, you're ready to go. And so I ride with those lights on and I pull up sometimes the guys and they're drilling and they're laughing at me. I'm like, guys, you laughing at my lights, are you? No, like, yep, chief, we sure are. But it's all good because I, I, I don't, that doesn't hurt my feelings. I, I want them to laugh at me. I, I want them to be able to do that because I know they feel comfortable enough to, to make fun of me in certain, at certain times. And I make fun of myself and that's important because you have to keep it light. If you're serious all the time, if you're a robot and you don't have any, charisma or personality nobody wants that i mean i had a leader when i first came in the fire service one of the most charismatic people i've ever met he'd walk in the room and you would stand up so fast you'd almost hurt yourself because he just the way he had his energy and his excitement about just being a people person and around other people he'd walk in and you'd be so excited to talk with him he was very high strung it was like a five-minute conversation he would walk out and you'd be like what just happened i feel like a tornado just came through here but you would be inspired and, and invigorated to go out and do something. And I've always just responded to that type of charisma. And not everybody does, but our guys, you know, our guys have that. It's cool because you can just have fun with them. And it's, it's like being on a, a sports team. You know, you have fun with guys. When it's business, it's business. And the guys know that, and they're very respectful of that. I think that, that that's where people need to understand whether you're a career or volunteer, you have to be approachable. You have to be able to be to, to, to be able to talk. Um, you know, as as an officer, you know, you need to, to come in. And one of the things that we talked about, and we're coming down to the witching hour here, but one of the things you talked about is, you know, being able to <clears throat> talk with each other and, and, and one of the things that the fire service and I think with any um 
public servant is that that dark humor and a lot of people a lot of civilians wouldn't understand the things that we're talking about at the kitchen table or would be appalled but that's how we right. deal with the stress and I'm fortunate enough that I married a, a nurse so she shares mm-hmm. in that dark humor with me so our kitchen table conversations are are pretty abstract and our, my kids don't stand a chance but they get it um, and you hear them kind of jumping into it as well but that dark humor it's okay to have that it's appropriate at certain times but it's how we cope um, so I think that, like you said, being part of that, it's like a team, being part of that team, and uh, you have a quarterback, and when, when the tones drop, you have a boss, and that's that's how things work. It's all business, and then when we go back to the firehouse, we, you know, we, we do our thing. So um, so like I said, we're getting up to the, to the witching hour here. I want to give you some of the last words, some parting words that you want to leave with the audience, and then uh, and we'll go from there. I hope that from the discussion today, you think about things differently because some things I said probably challenge your beliefs or they challenge your leadership style. And that's the point. I'm not saying that you have to agree with everything that we discussed today, but I would like you to at least be open to understanding that things are different today than maybe when you came in. And you said you came in in 1988. I'm not going to tell you how old I was in 1988 because you're probably going to laugh at me, but I'll tell you I was eight years old. So I'm 40 years old. I consider myself very young in the fire service. I consider myself a student of the game to where I have to learn every day to hone my leadership skills and to improve. And I want you to think about that as a culture of the fire service too, whether you have five years, 30 years, or 40 years on the job, it doesn't matter. If you're not continuing to develop your skill set, then you are moving backwards. You are in a position just filling a spot and you're not making a difference. And when you leave your organization, people are going to remember you. I, there, I got an article coming out on June 1st about that in Firehouse. And I basically, I heard a song one day, it was by Rascal Flatts, and it's called How They Remember You. And I started to listen to the lyrics and wow, it really resonated with me as a leader. And I'm going to actually uh, read you a piece of these lyrics because it's, I hope it makes you think that what you do every day, people are going to remember that. And people sometimes say, well, I don't care how people remember me as a leader. I've heard leaders say that. And I believe when they say that they're lying. Absolutely. Because you have, you have dedicated your life to being a firefighter in a leadership position. You're going to say you don't care what people think. That is usually the answer of you just being lazy and not wanting to make a change or develop. Because when you walk away, they're going to remember if you care, cared about them, if you tried to help them, or if you were all about yourself. In one of our stations, it's under renovation now, but before it was under the renovation, the battalion chiefs, my battalion chief, I'm in his position now. So he was my battalion chief and my shift commander. I was a captain on the engine. He retired, and those guys took his PPE jacket, and they retired it and hung it up in the firehouse. Have you ever seen that in a firehouse? Only for our guys that, that have uh, died too young. You know, we've, we've made memorials for them, but yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's impressive. That lets you know that those guys cared about that guy, and that guy cared about his guys. They loved him, and they love him to this day. And it wasn't because he was the smartest guy with the most experience and the most well-spoken. He was because he cared about people, he treated people the right way, and he had a code, and he fought for what was right. And his jacket will be hung back up when we get back in that station. His name's Ricky Williams. It was Battalion Chief Ricky Williams. And man, what I learned from that guy was just so incredible. They retired his jacket 
that like when I see that, it literally like brings a tear to my eye to know that someone can be loved that much in a profession that's very, very stressful and difficult that someone would retire it. And when I heard this song, it really made me think about it. This is the little lyric that I, I want to I wanna read you. Did you stand or did you fall? Did you build a bridge or build a wall? Did you hide your love or give it all? What did you do? What did you do? Did you make them laugh or did you make them cry? Did you quit or did you try? Did you live your dreams or let them die? What did you choose? When it all comes down, if it ain't if, it's how, they remember you. They're going to remember you. It's your opportunity every day to be remembered as someone that actually cared. And I call that gas, which is give a shit. How much gas do you have in your tank? Is your gas tank full every day, every day you go to work? And that's my challenge to you as a leader. Have a full gas tank. Care. Every little piece is important. Attention to detail matters. The small pieces matter. How you look, how your shoes look. Are your shoes shined? Are you clean shaven? Is your white shirt pressed and is it clean? Are you in physical condition? All of that is seen through the people that you're responsible for, and you have to set the example. And I'm hoping something I said today will inspire you to do that because, again, I'm not an expert. I don't profess to be one, but what I am is a practitioner because I got off shift this morning at 7 o'clock, and I came home to talk about what I'm still learning in the fire service. I'm not retired. I'm not a guy that sits around and talks about how we should do it. I practice every third day I'm on shift and I'm still learning every single day. And I hope that shines through with what we talked about today. Well, David, uh, on that note, we'll, we'll end at that. And I want to just thank you um, immensely for coming on my show and just throwing everything out there, uh, everything that, that pertains to leadership. And I think the leader's acronym is, is really good. It'll be on, on the show. Um, before we go, go ahead and give a, a, a shout to your website. I know you have your, uh, your website there where people can visit and see some of the things you're doing and where you're going to be speaking. Well, I'm not really here today to push anything or anything anything like that. So if they just Google my name, the information will pop up. I, I don't want people to think I'm on here trying to sell them something because I'm not. I'm here just trying to help the fire service and try to pay it forward. So if they're interested, they can just Google my name and they'll be able to find me. And I can tell you that when when you do Google his name, uh, it'll be the first website that comes up. So um, with that, David, thank you very much for coming on the show. And uh, this will be uh, coming up in June, so in, a, in actually uh, a little over a week and a half. So um, with that, again, thank you very much. Be safe out there, and uh, thanks a lot. Thanks so much for having me. It was an, it was an honor.